NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thanks for joining me. We will have an interview with Darren Rovell on this podcast, now of the Action Sports Network, not ESPN. We'll get into that with Darren. We'll start off here with a little chat with my colleague, Jack Dickey, about some sports media news. Jack, how are you? Good, Jimmy. How are you? I'm good. How are you feeling after your debut last week? My debut? I, I didn't see the reviews. How were they? Well, the big takeaway from last week is that apparently I have Roger Goodell now getting direct t- getting the NFL Sunday ticket off direct yeah. TV only, and we're going to stream possibly. The SI Media Podcast gets results. That was funny. I, I, if you did not listen to last week's show with Bill Raftery, check it out in the archives. I, uh, I told a long story about canceling direct TV after 20 years after they screwed me hard after destroying my roof and then a couple of days later it comes out that roger goodell is open to breaking the deal with direct tv and it, he wants it, people to at least be able to stream the N- nfl sunday ticket now i know the contract with direct tv goes through 2022 so i'm not sure if goodell was saying at that point we'll have a deal where someone you can stream it anywhere or if he meant we got to break the deal early and let's get a streaming service going here the thing is, if DirecTV doesn't have Sunday Ticket, I don't know how many people yeah. get Sunday Ticket, but that's the thing. That's DirecTV's thing at this point. Otherwise, and their only thing, right? Otherwise, they've been basically passed by you know yeah. cable providers, especially because you know with with whatever provider you get real high speed internet, and and that kind of justifies whatever crappiness you have to deal with with the cable service. And then, of course, I found it interesting that. Um, Goodell said he wants to go to a streaming service for the Sunday ticket in addition. I think it's in addition to DirecTV. But, and then, of course, on Monday, Apple makes their big Apple TV announcement, Apple TV Plus or whatever it's called. So the thing about the NFL, I, I mean, they already print money, but they'll have Amazon, 
Apple, Netflix, they'll all be in the mix fighting for that package if they go that way. Right. But I do think the NFL is still for people who are not streamers. And and it's hard to imagine the NFL ever getting to a point where a certain product was streaming only. I agree with that a thousand percent. I don't think you'll ever see that happen. But right now, the only way you can watch any game you want is if you have DirecTV. There's no other way. So for them to say, okay, sign up for a package through Apple, through Netflix, through Amazon, I think you're going to I think they can print money if they do that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably right. But I think when you're talking about the sort of existential questions that are facing any media entity um, in terms of will people pay for their product, do millennials like their product, I think the NFL is kind of in the same boat. However prosperous it may be with the older generation, right. I think the NFL is kind of in the same boat everyone else is when it comes to do kids like their stuff. Not really. I just, I just hope they can uh, they can break that deal early and not have to wait till 2022. And if anyone out there has DirecTV, please cancel. <laughs> it's time to cancel. Um, we have the big. It's been a quiet week for sports media. Haven't there hasn't been a ton going on. The big story uh, that's really going on is a local story here in New York with Mike Francesa. Jack, I figured he could. Uh, he's a big Met fan, so there's two layers to this story. On Friday, uh, the New York Post, Andrew Marshan, a regular on this podcast, reported that WFAN had talks with Adam Shine, who hosts a show on SiriusXM, to possibly be Mike's partner and to come work at FAN. On Saturday afternoon, Mike sends out a tweet about outrageous lies and misinformation, and he's going to release a statement. <laughs> but then he waited three hours for the statement. Now, did you, let me, I just, did you see that tweet? Absolutely. And like, were you waiting for the follow-up? I thought it was possible he had sent it, you know, to the on the wrong platform or something. <laughs> but because I hadn't even read the Marchand article, so I, I didn't know what he was talking about. Okay. But so when it's just... When it's just this statement out there about outrageous lies and misinformation, and you have nothing, no nothing to go on. Okay, okay. See, I, I was, knew it was delighted. About, I knew it was about the Martian thing. But then it took Mike three hours to release a statement, <laughs> which I found, which I get. You know, he didn't intend it to cause, I think, the stir that it caused. But I give him credit; it's a masterful way of getting some attention. And then he tweets out a series of tweets, basically saying that. He told FAN he'd be willing to possibly get a partner. So he decided to address the outrageous lies and misinformation <laughs> by confirming the outrageous lies and misinformation. Am I mistaken? I think that's basically what happened. Yeah. Now, then the next layer on all this. So because this became such a huge deal in New York, outside the country, you don't care. I get that. But in New York, this became this a, a huge deal that Mike waited three hours to release the statement, then he releases the statement, and there's still speculation he may leave FAN again and just do his app, or it sounds like now he's going to stay with FAN and maybe get rid of the app because it's not doing great. So now, then that turns into Monday where SNY, the local station here, in sports station in New York, goes to FAN and interviews Mike about this whole hullabaloo, and somehow in that, Mike rips Noah Syndergaard to shreds, Saying he's the new Matt Harvey, and the Mets are already concerned about his statements. As a Met fan, do you how do you take that comparison? Well, 
as to whether the comparison is true, I think it's probably or or fair. I don't I, I don't really think it is. Now, as to whether I have faith in the Mets ownership to see that it's not a fair comparison and not to leak that comparison to Mike Francesa, I have zero faith. So right. I'm I am fairly confident Jeff Wilpon does believe that Syndergaard's belly aching is similar to Matt Harvey's. Now let's get now the Syndergaard belly aching was Noah complaining that the Mets did this ridiculous travel schedule here before opening day where they went from spring training in Florida to go to a workout in Syracuse on Tuesday before then going to Washington where they will play on opening day on Thursday. And then, of course, the plane was delayed three and a half hours in Syracuse. So Syndergaard was very busy on Twitter on Monday, addressed the Francesa thing. He retweeted the Francesa clip of Francesa bashing him, and Noah just said, I'm just here for the comments. And then um, someone asked, some, uh, during his Twitter Q&A, someone asked about getting a beer with Francesa or doing something, and he said, I'd rather be traded. So then you have this feud here with Mike and Noah Syndergaard, which is, um, I, I think I know which side you're on. <laughs> I think it's delightful because it's just, it is so typical of the Mets ownership to subject their star player to this treatment. I mean, how how many times have we been down this road where there's just various sort of like strange rumors and undermining comments that, you know, either filter their way through the New York Post or through Francesa regarding any Mets star? It's just here. I, I don't see how anyone could have a problem with Syndergaard because the wild thing about the story is the Mets did not make their team go to Syracuse for a game. It was just to work out in the Carrier Dome. Yeah, well, you know, Carrier Dome, great baseball facility, obviously. <laughs> Everyone loves uh, watching the baseball players work out there. It's uh, a crazy story. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, at this point, you really can't be surprised by anything that's sort of rinky-dinked that the Mets do, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so, while we were discussing this, I remembered another story about streaming and you were talking about leaking, and that's what made me think of it in my head. One bit of sports media news this week is that Adnan Verk was fired from ESPN because he leaked information to Awful Announcing, which is still mind-boggling. Um, he is going to be the main host for the Dazin, DAZN. DAZN. Yeah, I say DAZN. I'm not <laughs> saying DAZN. For their MLB streaming show. And then it came out, and then it was reported on Tuesday that his co-host for the show is going to be the guy who does HQ Trivia, Scott Rogowski. Yes. Does that interest you at all, that combination of Adnan Verk and the HQ Trivia guy on Dazen? Well, I Which, used by to the play- way, I don't mean to cut you off. And the zone, Dazen, whatever it is, nineteen ninety nine a month now for a subscription. Right. By the way, but go ahead. Right, I used to play HQ trivia fairly religiously, like everyone else. You uh, like the first one in the office to win. I did win. Yeah. I did win. You know, fifty eight bucks or something on on some Thursday. Uh, <laughs> I I wish wish them all the best. I can't say I'll be watching. If that was on TV, and it was Adnan Verk and the HQ trivia guy, would you at least be curious enough to? Put it on and see what's going on here. Like no, no. I mean, what what do you need an MLB studio show for in, in twenty nineteen? 
I I like the MLB Network studio shows for that. I like like on a su- Saturday morning, Sunday morning, especially. I get up, I see, get the highlights from the night before, see what's going on. I mean, it's a good way to keep up with the league. I don't know. I I find that I read MLB.com. I re- follow enough baseball accounts on Twitter that I right. get get what I need that way, and I don't really need to know who won Indians Tigers. On, on well, you're Friday also not night. a. If you bet, you would want to know those <laughs> games. No, I no. I think it's good to get the highlights. I I think they do a good job. And I have to say, I I mean, I think you have to have something wrong with you if you ever put on FS1 during the day. But they do a whip around show at night with Kevin Burkhardt as the host, and that's it's a solid show too. Um, I, I like those baseball round. Even in this day of you get everything on your phone, every highlight on your phone, I, I enjoy the the studio whip around shows. Every I now. just think if I'm watching a three hour baseball game already in a given night, I don't need to add more baseball programming. Right. Do you have? Do you get the package? Oh, you're a Met fan, so you probably don't need the. No, I I, I always consider it every year. I have an old boss whose MLB TV login I use because um, I think he probably intended to cancel it several years ago, but it auto bills. It's an auto, yeah. So I, I just mine. use his login, and uh, I'm not going to reveal his name lest uh, lest MLB Advanced Media cancel the login. But he probably, I mean, he must never use it because I think you can only be logged in one at a time, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So. Anyway, I, I get the radio. I subscribe to the MLB at bat, which gives you the radio. It's only twenty bucks for the year. This way, I can listen to John and Susan. Yeah, but don't you have John and Susan through Sirius? It's the John and Susan on Sirius for some reason is about a five minute delay almost. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So an MLB is like a the MLB app is maybe a thirty second delay. So for twenty bucks for the year, give me the most because you know what it is. I'm on the train usually right. a lot when those games are starting. So that's when I listen to it mainly because usually they're just on the radio. So, Right. Um, and that was it. I mean, there really wasn't a ton of other sports. Oh, the other uh, item that came out in the sports media world is that uh, the Sporting News reports that Romo wants $10 million a year from CBS. I, I don't necessarily know if I believe that, but I'll say this. Someone, there is a network that will be stupid enough to give him that amount. Well, I mean... In theory, he's the best at what he does. Therefore, ten million a year. Well, but I mean, I don't know what people make to do these jobs. Right. But Madden was the all-time highest paid at eight million. Gruden got, I think, I think Gruden was five million. Okay. I mean, I mean, he is double. He's more than double better than Tony Rome uh, than John Gruden. So maybe does right. I think the thing, the the obvious hurdle you you have to clear is he's on. At most, nineteen times in a year, right? Right. I mean, I guess he does a preseason game or something, but it's not like CBS. CBS is an ESPN; they don't have any programming they can, you know, make use of him for right. Monday through Saturday. But we talked about this last week with Peyton Manning and ESPN. A lot of it is for the sales and marketing of it, and it's also CBS that can say, "Listen." We have the clear-cut best analyst in the game on our network. So right, he'll get the ten million if that's what he if that's what he's really. I I think it's a little extreme that that's what he's asking. I think maybe I could see him asking for like six, seven, ten is high. But if that's what he's asking, I think he'll get it. There's some stories in the post about CBS having to cut a lot of money out of the news division. I don't think it's going to be a great look if 
they have to lay off a bunch of producers so they can give Tony Romo a huge raise. But. Well, I don't. I would. Oh, I don't know. I mean, they had like the wor- the worst rated morning show in terms of you know. So I'm talking about in terms of profit. I, I'm wondering if the sports division must make more than the news division. Well, see, I thought it was all the, with with the NFL telecasts. I thought they were loss leaders, right? Where you know you're spending a lot of money to air it and losing with regard to what you make back in commercials. But right. the idea is like, what's well, a lead in for our Sunday night lineup? It's you know, gives well, us a brand halo. This topic was covered in depth on this podcast in late December with Brian Curtis of The Ringer because uh, he wrote an article about Fox getting the NFL from CBS in 94. And in that article, it, he does a great job of recapping how all the CBS executives talk about how once they lost the NFL, their primetime lineup ratings weren't just in the toilet. Yeah. Big time. So you still need the NFL. I, you know, it's a weird thing in this day and age comparing the sports division and the news division because obviously with the maniac in the White House, the news division is important these days. And all news ratings for cable news are up big time. I don't know network, though. The network news, I mean, that's, you talk about the relic. That's the relic. Right. Well, they're in kind of a weird position because on the one hand, you look at cable news and you just say this is, you know, a perversion of news because it's just opinion. Right. It's all opinion and it's people just talking about stuff that journalists who are actually out reporting have gathered. And most of the I mean, most of those networks are not spending their money on journalists. They're spending their money on talent. Right. Um, but when it comes to something like network news, it's kind of in between because, yes, it is shoe leather reporting but it's also shoe leather reporting that's usually big footing local news you know they're flying somewhere after something has happened and you know it's it's and, already been and is anyone under 65 watching <laughs> I don't know I think there's some I I'll, I'll bet you if you went into the si.com newsroom right now and asked this entire group do any of you watch the network news 6:30 Every night, two, four, ABC, CBS, NBC. It, do you even check it out once a month? They watch 60 Minutes. There's a couple of us. The old people here watch 60 Minutes. <laughs> I watch CBS Sunday morning. I'm the Everybody only one under- watches that one. That's a good one. <laughs> Everyone watches that. Yeah, I don't You know, that's an interesting one. So if Romo gets $10 million, but Gail King's about to cash in. Yeah. She's about to cash in. Who, if you ran CBS, who would you who would you pay more, Romo or Gail? You have to go Gail because she's on every day. Yeah. Tony's on, like you said, 19 times a year. Right. She's on 19 times a month. Now, you could probably more. make Romo do the Masters if you pay him $10 million a year. I think Romo will get the $10 million, and I think, I think Gail wants what George Stephanopoulos makes, which I don't know the amount, but- I put it this way: I don't think I don't think Gail's going to be shopping at you know flea markets and dollar stores anytime <laughs> soon. I think CBS will take care of Gail. I hope so. She's good with that R. Kelly interview. That's she, for sure. She's good. All right, so that uh, that's those are all the topics I had. Did you have anything? Is there anything you want to bring up? Don't bring up Avenatti. <laughs> don't bring up Jesse Smollett. Don't bring up Avenatti. Isn't this the most? Um, I mean. I realize it's not a sports media story, but it is a sports and media story. Barely. That this clown, it's a scumbag story. That's here's what here's it is. no here's this here's the sports the sports media component. He said on Monday morning 
I'm going to have a big press conference Tuesday morning right. where I spill the beans on Nike and corruption and all that. Two hours later, <laughs> the guy's indicted right. in New York and in California. And then this morning, he still tweets out the press conference because he's that uh, he's that he's, dogged. Yeah. Well, it goes back <laughs> to something I've said on this podcast a billion times. There's nothing worse than Twitter. The guy gets out of jail or whatever, being charged, and he's right on Twitter. It's the tw- people, they can't stay away from it. Do you care about, I mean, if, if there were a story about, you know, if, if Outside the Lines had reported what Avenatti right. wound up tweeting out, would that move the needle for you? Well, it's not that I, listen, it's not that I don't believe his, his uh, right. whatever he's Do tweeting. Do you care? I'm just curious. No, because I, I mean, I never for a second thought college basketball was cl- clean. I mean, uh-huh. there were a few, I wrote in train of thoughts on Tuesday that Michael Avenatti and college basketball are a match made in hell. <laughs> I mean, it's the perfect, they're both just as slimy, in, in, in my opinion. Right. I mean, do you have any doubt Nike was paid? I mean, I guess we can't say that here. We'll get to it. <laughs> I, I, I t- Listen, Michael Avenatti I, needs to go away forever. He's the worst. But I believe his, whatever he's saying about who's getting paid. That's just me. Right. I mean, it's not it's not the hardest thing in the world to believe that Nike's relationship with the University of Oregon could possibly maybe be somewhat unsavory. Yeah. I, but, I think all of college basketball is unsavory. But I don't know. I mean, uh, this March Madness, do you think do you think there's any fan out there who would care less? No. If if it turned out that there was money changing hands. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, well. Sports fans want their sports. They don't really care about the stuff on the periphery. That's my opinion. Did you watch our colleague John Wertheim's 60 Minutes I segment? I did. Okay. I did. I was disappointed. We couldn't get a little shot of me or the line <laughs> on there, but it's okay. Uh, do you think, as a sports gambler, yeah. that, uh, that March Madness is as ripe for possible exploitation as the segment suggested it might be. You mean, you mean shaving points yeah. and that stuff? I think it would happen more in the regular season when nobody in the country is paying attention mm-hmm. to it than it would happen now when the whole country is paying attention. Until the first game of the first Thursday of the tournament, nobody cares about college basketball all year long. So that game in the middle of December... When the NFL is going on and everyone's watching that, and you know, Villanova is playing, you know, Creighton. That's the game where I think the chicanery can happen. I see. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. All right, we should end it on a good point because I got to get to Darren Rovell on this podcast. My friend Darren, your friend Darren, who unblocked you on Twitter. Thanks for coming on. I think we uh, we covered good stuff here on a slow week. Yeah. You liked your second appearance. I I just feel like I'm improving every day. You are. This is an improvement. All right. My thanks to my colleague, Jack Dickey. You could read him on SI.com. And uh, right now, we're going to go to Darren Rovell. All right. Joining me now, second appearance with me here on the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast, everyone's favorite guy to follow on Twitter, now of the Action Sports Network, Darren Rovell. Darren, how are you? 
I'm good. I know that was sarc- sarcastic. That's okay. Listen, nobody gets more attention on Twitter than you. That's that's. I good, accept it. Yeah, I know you're you're a good sport about it. Yep. I I, I listen. You know, I could have done without you singing in the shower, one shining moment. But yep, yep. You go for it. No one could deny that. I am self-aware, despite the yes. fact that people think I'm not. Yes. I, I, I had a feeling you were prepared for the blowback on your shower singing of One Shine. I was. Yes. I was. Yep. So you're at the Action Sports Network now, and this is obviously in the gambling world, gambling business, prime time with the NCAA tournament. Are you enjoying it? I love it. I mean, it's it's as good as I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, I get the chance to cover the betting business, which I always consider myself a business reporter. Um, and at the same time, uh, I can cover the sports business stuff that I always have on Twitter. I really don't think I'm missing that much. Um, and you know, it's 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 a it's an incredible company. Obviously, people are either looking to cash in on marijuana blockchain or sports gambling and i kind of wanted to be in one of those three spaces and the heat and the momentum um you know just from people coming into our office wanting to meet with us um i didn't i didn't feel that type of energy in this pen i'm trying to picture in the marijuana business that would have been fascinating i think no, I don't, yeah, that I don't. I don't CBD <laughs> Revell cigs? No, I don't think so. I don't, yeah, think I, so. I don't need you doing videos smoking e-cigarettes, please. Um, no, 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 no. What was so? Was it so? Are you saying it wasn't difficult to leave ESPN because you know? Listen. I would say it wasn't difficult to leave ESPN for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, they let me out of my deal, which I am forever grateful for. Um, I left on great terms, just like I left the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, I just felt like if I didn't move right away and, and you know, let my contract end, um, it could be the wrong time and I wouldn't be able to move. So having been in New Jersey, having seen basically the manifestation of sports gambling maturity almost in New Jersey mm-hmm. um, and seen, you know, so it was, what, three or four months and, and uh, you know, 500 million had been uh, bet in New Jersey to see the ads uh, outside the Lincoln Tunnel, to see them um, in on the trains, New Jersey Transit. You know, it's almost like uh, one state became Europe, and that was the state I happened to be living in. Mm-hmm. Um, having a chance to see the apps, you know, what which got up to 13 mobile apps and people gambling. I just, I just thought that. This is happening for a reason. There's only so many businesses where you get to see kind of something at maturity and then it's going to roll out slowly. Um, I think everyone knows what was coming. So as long, it, it, it was more of a risk for me to stay at ESPN as long as a couple things were satisfied, which is in going to the Action Network, they are not going to be an operator. I don't really want them to be an operator. I don't want to take money um, from people. Mm-hmm. I, that's not the greatest situation for me. Right. Um, so, um, and, uh, you know, I wanted it to be based in data and information. And, and the Action Network, for people who don't know, it's essentially three stat companies rolled into one. And, you know, we, we, we give you the data. I mean, it's not touts who are, who are going with their gut. If there's, 
information on a game, if there, we have 25 years of spreads and, and all gambling data that's pertinent, and, and we, we put, it, put, put it forth. And, um, you know, the app is something. If, if people gamble, you, you know, it, once you go to the scoreboard app and you put in your bet, it shows you um, what percentage chance you have in that moment to cash out. And so, you know, I, I, just being on the executive side and seeing everything that's that's going on, and also being on the editorial side and and the momentum and the people that are coming, it's it's really exciting. So when when I say was it difficult to leave ESPN, I, I totally get where you're coming from in terms of a career change, a new opportunity, the excitement, getting in on like you said, gambling is just growing and growing and growing. You want to get in on something like that. But I would imagine, and this is what I'm curious about, mm-hmm. there is a certain amount of juice when you work for ESPN in terms of when you say something, it's going to get heard. And I mean, you're in a little bit of a different situation because you have 2 million Twitter followers, so you have your own kind of juice. But there is still this, there is a power in ESPN that can't be denied. Was giving that up difficult at all? No, it was more difficult in 2006 when I left as a, whatever, 27-year-old kid and decided to leave and to go to CNBC, which isn't exactly the smallest brand, but that, that was much more of a risk when you consider that I had no outside outlet um, to do anything with because social media didn't really exist. Right. So that was a major risk. You know, now... With Twitter, with Instagram, I can distribute my own stuff, and there's basically a people on my mailing list. So I didn't think I would get lost. I would say the other thing is, in the five or six months since um, the Supreme Court ruled, uh, the negative stigma of gambling had dissipated considerably. And so I... I, I, I didn't feel like that there wasn't any fear that I would, or nor did I care that I would be judged in a way as if I was going to something that was illegitimate, you know, and I already had the, it also helped that, you know, Chad Millman, who was, who was my editor at, at ESPN had already gone. Um, one of the big editors, Scott Miller had already gone. Um, and the foundation of executives there at, at the action network were, people who were not like old Vegas guard people, but people who could be running and have run regular businesses and have gotten into this business because of the heat that it generates. So I, I really didn't, I really didn't have much fear of, of doing this. I think I was very clear of what the job would be. I think my greatest fear, if you want to know what my greatest fear was, it would be that I, you know, it would, might be harder for me to insert myself into sports business conversations that I used to be number one at, right? Mm. Because I'm not, it's not my prime primary business anymore. Um, I also, I was also concerned. I was also concerned about um, whether there would be a negative stigma. And I, I lost the speech early on, um, you know, because of the gambling association, but for the most part that hasn't borne out. It's, it's been really, really positive, you know, to my face and I think for my brand to be in a space that is, is growing and is, and is so hot. And I have my own, my own rules about things. Right. You know, I got a lot of, I got a lot of crap for something that I did at the Super Bowl, and I don't care, but you know, I went to, 
my wife is a big Adam Levine fan, right. and I promised her that I would go to uh, a concert with her. That concert happened to be October 7th, which happened to be the Chicago Marathon, and I ran the Chicago Marathon, so I told her couldn't go to the concert. And, you know, so what I did was when I heard that Adam Levine was, was doing the Super Bowl halftime show, I asked Pepsi, hey, you know, any way you can get me in. I know journalists aren't supposed to be there, but it's just a personal thing. And they let me in. And, you know, I told the NFL, you know, hey, I, I just am doing this for my wife. You know, just I'm, please let me in. And and they let me in. And, you know, so is then that I because got I, I don't mean to cut you off, but is that because you couldn't get a credential as the if you're with the Action Sports Network? No, 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 no. You, you, you can't. No, there is no media at the halftime show rehearsal. Oh, rehearsal. oh the rehearsal you're talking Sorry, about. I thought on you meant Thursday on Thursday. Oh, you mean the rehearsal. No. Yeah. And that's, that's a big deal because they want that on lockdown. They don't want anything Correct. leaking. Yeah, that was yeah. a big deal. Right. And and obviously there's there's prop betting around what's the first song that Adam oh. Levine's going to sing. Where, where, why it? didn't you tell me this? I could have well, loaded up on five dimes. Issue, this became an issue on Twitter right. because I said I went on the Fox show Lock It In and I said, you know, I'm going to recuse myself from telling you because I know. And... Um, you know, and then all these gambling people, no one in my office had any problem, but all these gambling people started to say, well, you know, you didn't do a favor for us. And, and for me, it's like, well, I mean, gambling doesn't, gambling reporting doesn't necessarily have the best reputation as being a bastion for journalism, but that's just something that I didn't feel like selling my reputation over some, I, I wasn't invited to try to get information. And and that was to me that was just something that was just an ethical thing to do. Um, I think your problem that, there that, was you were too honest, and you should have never told anyone you were at the rehearsal. Right, and maybe, then you wouldn't maybe, have gotten any I shit for never, it. Right? Maybe I should have never told anyone. Right? But I, you know, I don't care. I mean, I I stand on on the principle that hey, you're you're only you're, I'm going to compromise my integrity with the NFL and with Pepsi and those people to give people tips. I mean, I didn't bet on it. Right. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, that, that was just one of the things. Yeah, that I, you should have just kept your mouth shut there, and then yeah. you would have gotten no yeah, blowback. Okay. So, but but yeah. were people mad that what you didn't? They wanted you to give them the information and to give them yeah. the tip. You yeah. can't. Yeah, yeah. You why can't, don't you? Yeah, you can't do yeah. that. Yeah. No, I can't do that. No, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Now, were you? Now, I've been following you for a long time. I don't. And correct me if I'm wrong. This isn't a knock in any way. I'm just because it leads to another question. I don't remember you always being into gambling. Is this a relatively new thing? Have you always been into the point spread? No, no. I, okay. co I covered, if, if you search like bad beats on Twitter and you'll see, you know, my stuff goes back years and years. I wrote my first gambling story in 2003 and I would probably, you know, your, your uh, opinion makes sense because gambling may be in, in like five years ago, gambling made up like, maybe three to four percent of my total content right um you know maybe there'd be and always you know, from the business a, side a of it hundred I would tweets a year on gambling but right. I, I would tweet twenty thousand times right so so but i did notice one of the reasons why i did make the move is i did notice that with legalization is and and with covering this all i had gone from like in 2014 i did like 20 gambling stories and then i'd gone to 30 and 40 and I was tracking for like 60 stories in 2018. And so uh, obviously it was getting more and more. It's such a big part of the business. And 
I also thought I should should do it a little bit more. We had Chalk, you know, which was the site that that Chad started within the subbrand of ESPN, and uh, I was doing more there. Um, but I also thought I should do more because um, I, I think other than a, a handful of people, including David Purdom uh, at ESPN, um, you know, gambling journalism has not been that great, and there's right. there's definitely a, a need to cover it. I agree with that totally. The reason I had asked because I, I I was under the assumption that you were not a huge huge gambling aficionado. You know, so what I want I covered I covered gambling right, but I did not. But I did not. I did not gamble. So here, um, so I'm not like a big gambler. Right. Here's what I wanted to ask you off of that though. Since okay. joining the Action Network, what have, what is what have you learned? about gambling that you didn't know before joining the action. Okay. Um, so one of the, one of the things that I've, that I've done, I've certainly bet more. Um, I've also, um, you know, typed in. So in our app, you can track your bets. Right. So sometimes if I want to track the cover probability, uh, live or, or, uh, hitting the over or whatever it is, I, I, I will put in a bet on either side. So I can watch it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, 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 I what guess. Have, what know, have you learned about like the gambling community or, or the typical gambler or just the. Um, I feel like the typical gambler wants to like, I used to think the typical gambler did so much from the gut, you know, that it was, but I, I do, I do think that the typical gambler like CNBC wants, you know, if they're investing in stocks, they want to hear information. There's a lot of information. And that's what's so interesting. Having been at CNBC for six years, a company is only required to disclose pertinent information four times a year. And the entire stock market is based on it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. Okay. And in, in sports, there's enough information to go around every day. So I almost think we have too much information, but I think most gamblers want to see and know that information. Um, and I think they want to have the information in front of them and then be able to make the decision. So that's one of the things that this company does. And that's, it puts- and it's interesting, and that's interesting to me because as someone who has gambled for a long time, I've gotten yep. to the point now where I realize, I mean, listen, you want information. There's no doubt about it. You, you, you need information. You don't want to go into it blindly. But it's also all irrelevant from the standpoint of whenever you expect it to all go one way because of information, it goes right. the other way. You right. still, because it's interesting what you right. said about it's, gut, because like, you, like you need the information yeah. and then you need to use your gut. Right. Now, I think what we do a good job of is trying to give you the right information. Now, we're not touts. We don't, we don't like to claim records or anything like that. Um, but I think we provide, you know, good information. And there's also, you know, part of our, one of our things, and I'm not making this a pitch, but it's also something that I'm proud to be associated with. You know, we have a, we, one of our companies is Bet Labs, which essentially is you type in a theory and it tells you if your theory, what percentage time it is hit. So you can type in, my theory is that when the wind blows 20 miles per hour in a college football game, the under hits more often than not. 
and it will search 25 years of betting data, and it will tell you what percentage of the time the under is hit. Now, if it spits out anything greater than 54% or 53%, then you, then you say, okay, look, that's good. I can go with that. Better than a coin flip. Um, so what games this week have 25-mile-per-hour wins? And you can do that. And you can come up with your own. So at least, you know, I feel like we, we provide the data. I understand the gut. Um, and I also understand you. Know, some, one of my friends says, well, when I see a line that looks bigger than I think, well, then I'm going to bet on that team you know, plus let, let's let's say you think the line is you know sh- should be uh, minus five, right? And it's minus eight. And my friend goes, well, they must know something. I'll take minus eight, even though he thinks that you, you know what I'm saying. Like, what wh- wh- whatever it is, he, even though he thinks that that's a if it's a curious line, right. he's always going to say, well, I'm going to go with them. I think they know what they're talking about, you know. Um, and and that's obviously a gut decision. Yeah. I mean, there's two ways to tackle it, and I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there is the part where you analyze the game, you analyze the teams, you break it down that way, and then there is the part where you can just look at the tr- betting trends and go that way with it. There are different ways right. to and the bet betting, games. The betting trends, I think, I, think, I think, you know, we analyze both, right. but, like, you know, the betting trends, sometimes you find something that, could be convincing. So when we were filling out, when people were filling out brackets and there was interest in our site, even though it's not straight up gamble, um, you know, Duke has the worst three point shooting percentage in the tournament. They're like 310 in the country. And then, you know, I said, okay, so what is, what is our data show? Uh, how far back can we go? What is the last team to have the worst three point shooting percentage in the entire bracket, and have they ever won? And we went back to as far as we could go, which unfortunately was 1998, and no one had ever won. So the question is, okay, well, you're filling out your bracket or you're betting on Duke or you want to, if you think it's so easy, you're going to roll over your winnings and play the money line on Duke every time, whatever it's going to be, if you think that's better than what you're going to get, you know, two and a half to one or three to one, whatever. Um, Now do you question that? Now do you question that? Um, and so I think uh, we put out enough information. And, and I, again, I do think people are more comforted with information. That's the bet that I've made and that, as I've seen others have made, um, that, you know, that you, you, you tend to base some of your decisions on both team data, game data, and betting trend data. Well, that, yeah, I think ultimately if you are betting, you have – for me, that stat about – the three point percentage, I, I would never base a wager on that stat. Right. You have to, I think you need to pick your space, but yep. I will say there are, there are definitely though trends that I like. Um, I think the important thing with trends, I don't know if you agree or disagree. I'm curious cause you're doing this now. I don't like when trend, like you said, you go back to 1998, but, that that's fine for that trend about if has anyone won the tournament. But when you're looking right. at when people start analyzing team trends or player trends and they go back, that I don't like because it's a completely different roster. It's completely well, different. Well, then opponents. I, I, you know, there's 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 there, there's a couple different things. If you think that someone's backing in the into the data to make the point, that's instead a good way of, of having it, yeah. the data and then presenting it, right? Then obviously it's not it's not as good data. I mean, I, what I like here 
Um, we have a guy named John Ewing. We have a guy named Evan Abrams. They basically look at the data, find the data, and then base, oh, like now I'm going to write about this because this seems legitimate. It's not that they have a shell of a story or a theorem, and now they're going to find the stat to convince you that it's right. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So tell me, I want specifically for you, what are your daily, respo- daily responsibilities? What's, so a day, what's a day of work like for you now at the Action Network? So for the first time in my life, I'm in meetings. Which uh, do you like that or you hate that? Uh, it depends on if the meeting is interesting, to be honest with right. you. But there's, there's sometimes I'm in three hours of meetings, and some of it is just, you know, being part of it. Um, you know, just being, being in, understanding the people that are coming in and, and want to do deals with us. Um, so I, I'll do those for a couple hours with editorial meetings. I'm in product meetings, like what should be our next product that we roll out. We just rolled out kind of a, a live wallet feature in our last update. That's not what it's called, but it's, I'm just trying to explain it right. easily. I did it like, I said, so, I said this on Twitter over the weekend, you guys on your scoreboard have how much time that, yeah. to the time till the half. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. We have how much time to the half we have live cover probability charts. We have a live wallet that essentially shows you on a pie graph, um, on like a circle graph, like where are you in the moment? What is your ability to cash? How much money you're plus or minus in the moment? Um, Which I think, you know, becomes addictive for for gamblers to look at. How am I doing right now? Um, You know, we're not allowing you to cash out or anything like that. or do the crazy things that they do in Europe, but, but... But you, you you know you can see in the moment that the the, the time uh, thing as you said to the to the second half, um, and then we also have where the sharp money's going. Um, you know we have aggregation of yep. sports books, um, experts picks. You can follow the picks of our analysts, um, and then percentage of ticket and percentage of money uh, on the game from the aggregation of sports books that we get. So. So in the meetings, it's always like, well, what do we want next? What do we want to do next? That kind of thing. So I'm definitely in meetings. The other thing is to do good gambling stories that the general population will be interested in. Um, And so it's almost like, you know, with ESPN, with sports business, I I felt like my, my job was to do the two things. Obviously, one, for journalism's sake, whatever great journalism is, and two, what people want to read. And so a lot of this is, what do people want to read? What's interesting? You know, so like to start the tournament, I did three stories uh, on three guys who led to, you know, shots in the tournament that resulted in huge gambling wins or losses and talked to them about whether they knew what they were doing and whether afterwards they, they, they knew. I mean, a guy like Juwan Evans of Oklahoma State against Michigan, you know, just pulls up and hits a shot that, that old meaningless shot that makes the Cowboys go from losing by four to losing by one when Michigan's a two and a half point favorite. I mean, you know, so that's one of those things. And so my goal is to get people to the site because, and, and, and we have, we have um, app walls, which essentially, you know, you're, you're reading my story and 
it comes up against an app wall, which means you, you get it free, but you have to download the app. And so for me, it's like, okay, so the first time you're going to say, I'm not going to do that. And then if I continually have good betting stories by four or five times in a month, you're going to finally relent. And it's a lot <laughs> to have it, have a new app on, on your phone. You know, right. it's a big responsibility, but, but I think I can do enough to at least get people to the point of downloading our free app. And then it's our responsibility to, to see if we can get you to be a subscriber. I want as um, a gambler, I want the score. You're doing a good job. I want the scoreboard to have as much information. I want the scoreboard. I want to know the network, how much time, you know, you have the ready the clock when you can make your mix. I want to know what the opening line was. I want to know what the line movement was. I want to. Know we have we have yeah. that all. We have that all. So yeah. in each in each one, you can click into into the game preview and you can see the chart of the line movement where it opened. Obviously, it's going to be where it closed. Um, you know, and you can look at that. I mean, we pretty much have. Um, we're the best in terms of you know data for the gambler. And, um, so that, you know, that's, that's really my job. And then socially, obviously, if there's, if there's something like, like the clock that I don't think the normal people know that we, we have, um, to, to kind of not be annoying and not be overly advertorial, but, you know, for the most part, if there's something interesting, like the cover of whatever game, like complete, whatever that, you know, the Tennessee game, the Iowa, Tennessee game, that was nuts. Right. right. So so to show our product and how good it is, but also have some sort of editorial so people think it's good. So it's my job as, you know, having the followers that I have to to, to show people um, the good of what what right. we have. So that's pretty much a everyday kind of thing. And I'm doing a lot of, you know, gambling conferences and getting getting our name out there. I'm going to ask you about something that is a huge pet peeve of mine. I'm going to guess you like it, and you're going to give me every number and stat of why it's good. I despise Go it. This trend, and I think now I've seen it twice now during this tournament, of sp- these rinky-dink sports books giving refunds on losses. I-, I believe there was a refund given on people who bet UCF money Correct. line over Duke. I don't know. I Listen, don't. But let me I just, don't like it. Okay. I, I'm shocked by that, and I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm just going to say this, and then I'll let you have the floor, because this is a huge pet peeve of mine. As someone who's a gambler, that tells me you're not a real operation. That tells me you're a rinky-dink operation, and I would never bet with you. That's my opinion on it. Okay. So here- uh, I know it's for promotion. Say... I know it's for promotion, promotion, brand, brand. Right. So, I got all so, that. So let's- so let's just lay it out for anyone who doesn't know about gambling and the rules. So the state of Nevada does not let sports books refund money for any, if the result is the result right. and you, you do not have the result on your ticket, it cannot be refunded. New Jersey decided that they would let sports books as a promotion do this. And uh, the 11th entry in New Jersey uh, for mobile, the company called PointsBet out of Australia. And, you know, in Europe and Australia, they, they are big on promotions that get them attention. And so as the 11th sports book in New Jersey, they've done maybe 10 or 15 of these. 
just to try to break through. And I understand what you're saying. There's a lot of people who don't like it because I think a gambler understands that it's it's a gamble for a reason. If you lost, you lost. And, well, also, well, here's uh, my other question. Here's my question for that sports book. So you refund UFC, US, UCF moneyline betters, right? Then you yell and say, "Wait, well, you didn't refund this? It yeah, was the same exact difference." Right. So if the Rockets lose to the Nuggets and someone dribbles out the clock and doesn't cover a point spread, but because it's a random Thursday night game in the middle of March, well, yeah, no, they're not going to get the attention. Right, well, that's right, the bullshit so, of it, right? Okay, hold on. DraftKings has something that they're now calling insurance, which actually says rules of if it comes, be, you know, in between a point of the spread, or they have a whole big, you know, rule list, and they actually will do it across the board, up to fifty dollars, and it shows as a credit. And then, obviously, people uh, come down on these books saying, well, it's a credit, but you can't, it's not like you can add that to your winnings. You have to then bet the $50. And, you know, so there's also criticism as to how you get it back. Right. You didn't win the bet. Right. They're just allowing you to bet more. It's certainly something to, to talk about, and, it's, and I think it's, it's interesting. And by the way, when I find out about these promotions or they tell me about these promotions, I normally ask questions that a journalist would ask, like how many people were involved? What was the max limit on the bet? You know, how much is the total refunds? Right. And if they don't answer those questions, then potentially all I'm doing is promoting their promotion which I don't want to be in the position of. But at the end of the day, all they're doing, they're doing it for publicity and no other reason, and it works because it does get publicity. But just hearing that DraftKings has these extra rules that you I would never, ever bet with DraftKings just based on that. This is, right. it's almost like, it's a different version of gambling. I'll take the old school version and other people have the new school version. And maybe that maybe they're trying to appeal to the people who didn't bet in the past and who think that they were just able to place a bet you know, uh, nine months ago when the Supreme Court passed the decision. Maybe that's the audience, and then, you know, God bless them. But for me, as someone who's been betting for 20 years, I would never use DraftKings just based on that. It makes me think of them as a, like I said, rinky-dink, not real, fair, fair amateur, yeah. you know. Um, we've I talk- haven't heard that yet, so yeah. that's, a, that's an interesting take. We've, we've talked a lot about gambling. Yeah, anything else you want to say about the Action Network? Because I want to just move on to two quick things before we. Um, wrap no, it up. no, no. I, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy in the place that it is, and and uh, you know, it's. I, let me tell you one. I'll say one more thing. Sure. So we had a party out in Vegas, and um, about 500 people showed up. And what was different about that party versus an ESPN party? I feel like at an ESPN party, people are there to eat and drink free. Right. Like there's not necessarily an affinity back to ESPN. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's just because we're we're a startup and these but these people, you could tell at the party, feel a relationship with both the product and the people. That's good. And so it was pretty it was pretty fulfilling to see, uh, you know, that feeling um, at a at a party. Um, And so I just wanted to say that because. Was interesting. All right, now this you do you still like you said earlier you you still you're still on top of the sports business mm-hmm. angle of things. So there's two two things I just want to talk about because I saw you tweet about this and I talked about this at the top of this podcast before I brought you on. 
um, about Romo wanting $10 million, which I don't necessarily believe that story. No disrespect to Mike McCarthy. Right. I, right. I, I don't think Tony's asking for $10 million. That's just my opinion. But you tweeted today, Tony Romo's looking for a raise from $4 million to $10 million a year, reports Mike McCarthy. As we explained in January, CBS can't get a return on its investment at that number. Please explain what you mean by that. It, ten, so if, if CBS gives well, Tony me, $10 me, million, me, me. they're losing money. Right. Well, okay. So that's just based on whether people, first of all, he's the number, he's obviously in the number one slot. So he's getting the good games. So you won't really have a test of this. But in, in a world where there's so many products where red zone is red zone, do people go, I think in order for him to be worth that amount of money, you have to say, well, how much, what is his value over replacement broadcaster? Borb. You like that? No, I hate um, it actually, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what is his value over someone who you could just get in there? And Tony, obviously, people love him. People love him predicting plays, which, by the way, they've overblown. He only does like three of those a game, but they think he does like 15. Well, he did, it, he did it his first year, and then, and then someone got to him. Yeah, and they basically yeah. banned him from doing it in the Super Bowl, obviously, because he didn't do one of them. Um, but so what's, the, what's his value? Do you watch Tony Romo, do you watch a game more than you would? Again, you have to take out the fact that it's already going to be the, the best game that CBS could have. Right. Um, do, you, do, you, do you watch that game because of Tony? And if the answer is yes, and if a bunch of the country says yes, and by the way, I then took a Twitter poll, and I think like 40% of people – Sometimes people don't understand what, you know, like if, if they just think they're, if they believe they do it or if they really do it. But about 40% of people said, yes, they watched, they watch more because Tony Rome was broadcasting. If that's the case, maybe he's worth it. I personally and other people I spoke to within that article, I think I spoke to Ed Desser, who's been in media for a while, um, didn't think that there was enough value to make him worth at that point we were talking about $8 million because we were comparing it to, you know, a top coach. But would you, would you agree or disagree that if CBS gives him, let's say they gave him 10 million, which I don't, again, I don't think that's happening, but let's say they did it. It's more than just whether people are watching the for Tony. I mean, you're one, you're keeping him away from other networks Two, Yeah. Brand halo. Right. Yeah. And you know, and, and you're getting nothing but good publicity on Twitter, which is rare to come by these days. And you don't have to worry about the public. Compare to what happened. Compare to what's happening on Fox at the same time. Is right. What I mean. Or even compare it to you. now this. That, so if now let's say ESPN, let's say Peyton Manning agreed to go to Monday Night Football, hypothetical, and he has, and he wanted eight million, not ten, eight. Do you think ESPN gets a return on that investment? I think the greatest return on the investment for ESPN with something like Peyton is is you know, the plus show that he does. I think that people, there are some people who would, who would get a plus subscription just to see, you know, Kobe show and Peyton show. Right. I think that's, a, that's a whole lot different. So I, 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 I would, I would say no. And I don't know if Peyton would be that good of a broadcaster. I think he would have too much of a self edit button. Yeah. I, I've said many times, I think, uh, I think people are going to be highly disappointed if he ever goes, into the booth, Agreed. but that's neither. All right, last thing. I want you to be honest. You you you're always Save honest. The best for you're, last, Jimmy. You're Save always the best for last. You're always honest. 
So I think you'll be oh, yeah. honest here. Zion shoe exploding. Top five moment in your life? No. As a on. sports business. Darren, that was your, that was your, that was it for you right there as a sports business reporter. Okay, so there's many things. There's, <laughs> there's, there's many things. It was, it was insane. It definitely was insane. You lost your I mind had, when you saw that shoe explode. Admit it. I did. I okay. did. Okay. I did. And, and I had, you know, there were people in Nike who thought I overdid it, to be honest with you. Um, well, they got bigger and, problems right now. Well, <laughs> but, but, but here, here, here's, here's the point. Yes, it was the ultimate uh, moment from a business standpoint because you have, and I'm, I'm just recapping. I know yeah. you know what this is, but yeah. you have the number one prospect with the Mike Krzyzewski makes the most of any coach from Nike in the biggest game of the year, right. the, the most watched regular season game in 11 years. Right. And, within, and he hurts himself, which, you know, I mean, and so you have so many things going on. You have you have insurance, you have the draft, you have Nike, you have it's Paul George's shoe. I was imagining and you banging on the keyboard with the smoke coming out of your ears when that happened. Yeah, yeah the, the the like the Kermit the Frog on the yeah. typewriter. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it 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 was an it was an intense <laughs> it was an intense moment, you know, and and that and I do live for those moments, yeah. you know. I mean, I will never forget uh, on on Labor Day, 24 hours before the Colin Kaepernick thing went down, I I knew they were doing it, and I was told we can't give give you a time. But and I'm saying to my wife, I'm like, I got this big story. She's like, What are you talking about? We have a barbecue and a block party. I'm like, Hun, I I got this big story. I got to keep looking at my phone, and you know, and that was my biggest tweet ever, the the Colin Nike tweet. Um, and that was also something that was, you know, then you just keep following up. And so, so yes, as journalists, we, I'm an adrenaline junkie. Right. And, and, and I think in, you know, in the moment, there was one tweet I probably got carried away with that I shouldn't have done, which was the, uh, you know, the Paul George disc. I, I, I went to look at Paul George shoes the next day and they were discounted and, and it, that model, the, the PG two and a half. And I didn't ask Nike, like, was that discounted before? And in the tweet, I just assumed that it was, you know, and then I ultimately went back and was like, yeah, tiss, that was, I, I was, yeah, just going, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was, that was a, that was a big moment. We live for those. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I get the same, I, for me, it's, you know, broadcaster messing up or, you know, cursing on the air or Sergio dip that those are my, you know, that's what for me. Sergio are, dip was, yeah. Sergio dip was. That was, was fun. interesting. That was fun. But I knew sure. exactly from, from someone who was on the air and, you know, luckily has not had that moment, but had, but had pieces of those moments where you just like, I can't go with the same fervor that you do because I've had pieces of those moments where somehow you just, you lose your train and you don't even know what you're talking about, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and so when I think about that, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, that's a that's a that's that's a total nightmare. You never want those moments. But they're gold for someone like me. So, yes, yes. All right. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on, giving me the time. It was fun chatting, and um, good luck at Action Network. Check out the Thank app. You. Check out Darren. check out our. Hey, it seems like you need to. I got to. Are you you got you got to check out our product? Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'll be happy to check it out. Check, check it out and give an honest assessment. Yeah. I think I'm loyal to 5dimes.com. That's my place, but I'm always looking for information. So 
you could uh i i can't do these these legal sports books they're just Everything I hear about them, legal so, legal sports books. Yeah, they're a disaster. I'll, I'll stick with offshore until they get there. I think they're. I, I do think they're going to get. I do think they're going to get better. Well, there's no uh, way. There's nowhere. Uh, there's no way to go but up. I mean, right. They, they, well, they don't. They're yeah. not handling things right. I I went to Atlantic City for uh, last year when it first. It, they they didn't have their act together yet. So hopefully they'll get their act together soon. Maybe for football. Yeah, I mean it's certainly in our best interest to to deal with the legal guys. Yeah. Um, just. Just, just to be that way, um, it helps. But right. you know, obviously, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot more illegal. And I, I don't, I don't think you know. I, I think that the bookie's still going to exist, and you know, because these sports books don't give you credit. Right. But um, it certainly helps me that there's legal information yeah. because it makes because I get the one thing that the legal sports books have done. Minus the uh, mistake by DraftKings where they originally didn't want to pay. When I covered illegal sports books or offshore sports books, anytime I put out something in the past, I would get these messages on Twitter saying, oh, I, they, don't, they didn't pay. They me didn't back. pay, right? I've never had that anytime experience. Anytime I write about legal sports books, I don't ever get, I was sick and tired of getting right. the offshore. And all the messages, and why don't you cover this? Right. And so, for me, as far as information goes, I, I feel better and much more comfortable with legal. I've been lucky. I've never had a problem with five dimes, but obviously, you hear horror stories. I've heard stories about five dimes. I don't get it. I mean, I listen. I'm not a big player. I'm not cashing out fifty thousand right. dollars. I'm cashing out a thousand dollars. So maybe that's right. the difference. But I've never had a problem with five dimes. And well, I think they just they, hey, this Jimmy Trainer guy. We know right. who he is. Well, the reason I stick with them more than any reason is the line that you just get much better odds on on the offshore sites. The the juice on these new on the legalized sites. Right. Are crazy. Right. So I, w- I would let me say one more thing. Go ahead. I find it. Go ahead. So so DraftKings is obviously the the leader, or not obviously, but it, they're the leader in the New Jersey mobile space. Right. And the reason they are, they have about sixty percent of the market, is because they were first. Right. And I I just I said to you in the podcast that it's a burden to put an app on someone's phone, and so for me, I, I'd be interested to see. Now that people in New Jersey have 13 choices on mobile, yeah, um, yeah. whether they really line shop or they just say, you know what, whatever DraftKings is going to give me, or FanDuel, which is the number two, whatever they're going to give me, I'll just take it. Well, you have to be um, insane not to line shop. I mean, if you're betting... Well, you know. but, but, but the people that are being onboarded here are people who just played fantasy and they haven't really bet. And right, right, right. So I think... I think I, I, well, I don't think it's DraftKings or FanDuel's MO to offer bad lines. I do think that they probably are understanding that as of now, they do want to be the first in every state so that they could get the advantage of people who won't line shop. Right. Yeah, that's so. interesting. But if, if anyone's listening to this who bets, line shop. Do yourself a favor. Make, you'd be <laughs> foolish not to. All right, Darren. Thanks a lot. appreciate it. Thanks, Talk Jimmy. To you Love you, man. All take right. Care. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, my thanks to Darren Ovell. Good stuff there from Darren. I know Darren's a lightning rod, and I'm not sure if anyone stuck with it to the end if they have those negative feelings with Darren, but Darren was great there. That was a good interview. He gave you a lot on gambling. So if you're into that, that was a good uh, good job by Darren breaking down a lot of stuff. My thanks to my colleague Jack Dickey for coming on at the top. Uh, upcoming guests, we, we, we expect to have Taylor Rooks from Bleacher Report next week, so subscribe if you want to hear to Taylor and you're not a subscriber yet. In the archives, Roman Reigns from the WWE, WrestleMania coming up. 
So you'll want to listen to that. Bill Raftery, phenomenal interview on the tournament. You can go back. Steve Carell is in there. Stu Gatz from ESPN. So check out the archives. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And then you could rate and review, but subscribe mainly. And then rate and review. Appreciate it. See you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.